0: And Zach on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. But they called in the replacement team today. He's James Merrillot. I'm Will Peterson. Filling in for Stoken Zach on this glorious Wednesday. Hope you are doing well. And James, we're just gonna get right to it because a big, important member of Broncos Country is doing well. Within the last couple of minutes, we have found out that Randy Gratishar is indeed a finalist to be selected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, one of three senior finalists for the class of 2024. It's just a technicality at this point. Randy Gratishar will be canton-bound. It should be a technicality at this point. It should be, hey, when it all comes up, what is that? Uh, Super Bowl weekend, right? They they do the, the official voting that it should be rubber-stamped. That's what it typically yeah. means when you get to this point. Uh, I, I'm still a little hesitant just because it's been such a gross oversight to this point. That I'm not going to count my chickens until they're completely hatched here. But, boy, this feels like it's it's finally going to happen. It's long overdue. The fact that the 1977 Broncos, so mm-hmm. the Super Bowl started 1966. Okay. You have to go until the 2003 Carolina Panthers, the Jake DeLome-led Carolina Panthers, to find a Super Bowl team in the history from 1966 until 2003 that didn't or doesn't have a Pro Bowl or a, a Hall of Famer on it. Other than the 1977 Broncos. They went to the Super Bowl. They had the famed Orange Crush defense. Randy Gratishar is a defensive player of the year. I think it was 1978 he was defensive player of the year. And they don't have a single Hall of Famer. I mean, if that's criminal. There's a, a lot of reasons why I think, you know, at this point, there's been a lot of Broncos go in and to complain about the lack of representation in Canton kind of, you know, it's like, okay, you're beating the same drum here. But the 1977 Broncos not having a single player going, and it would have to be on the defensive side of the ball, is uh, it is in the football world and in, in the historical football world, it is criminal. So uh, there, it looks like they're finally going to get it right. Randy Gratishar should be in. I grew up watching Randy Gratishar play middle linebacker, and nobody did it better. And I that was back in the day of you know the steel curtain and, and all those teams. And if he'd have played in Pittsburgh, he'd have four Super Bowl rings, and he would have been in the Hall of Fame. Two decades ago, Correct. probably two and a half, so yeah. uh, long overdue, excited to hear that, good for Randy Gratishar, and this is going to sound morbid, Will, but as these guys start to get up in age, yes, you want these things to happen when they are still around to enjoy it with their family and their former teammates and all the rest of that stuff. There's nothing that irritates me more than when Kenny Stabler, as an example, gets in a year after he passes away. hmm like, what are we doing? Yeah. Right? I mean, a guy hasn't played in 40 years. And you, you're going to put him in, and you wait until a year after he passes away. That Like, that's just a shame. So hopefully they get this right. Hopefully Randy and his family and everybody from that 1977 team um, can go out there and uh, and enjoy it. Because I saw over the weekend Craig Morton said, hey, we've never had a reunion for that team. Wow. You know what would be a good place to have a reunion? Canton. Canton. I want to give you dueling perspectives on this. This is really interesting because, again, if you're just joining, Randy Gratishar is one of three finalists. So Andrew Mason, our senior Broncos writer at denversports.com, says his journey to the Hall of Fame is one step closer. Now he needs the approval of the wider selection committee. So Mace, a little cautious, one step closer. Mike Kliss, our 9News1043, the Fan Broncos Insider. At long last, Randy Gratishar is about to become a Hall of Famer. Former Orange Crush linebacker, one of three senior players to receive the nomination for final election. Steve McMichael, our pal, the others. Mace a little more reserved. Okay, it should get done, whereas Kliss says Randy Gratishar is about to become a Hall of Famer. I'm more towards Kliss. That's how I open the show. It would be an absolute stunner to me if this... Again, it's not a rubber stamp. Randy Gradishar is headed to Canton. I tend to lean more toward Mace, and I think Mace kind of walks the same line I do here of, yeah, but why hasn't he been elected at this point, right? Like, there's some reason, even when they did the centennial class, and it was a ton of guys, he didn't get in. So it's like, all right, I'm going to believe it when I see it. Sure. Even though it should happen, there's no reason for it not to happen. And this is a big hurdle. It was probably the the, the biggest one. But, you know, we, we've all seen those YouTube clips where the person clears all the hurdles and is just running for the tape and trips and falls. And, you know, it wouldn't be Randy's fault. He hasn't, you know, had any uh, on field mistakes in the last 40 years. I think he retired in 1983. But, uh, you know, that committee has made. Uh, Made bad decisions in the past, and I would not put it past them. You also wake up with your panic meter at an eight, self-admitted. Six, but yes, well, this is correct. I'll meet you in the middle, call it a seven. <laughs> uh, the Broncos on their official Twitter are calling it the next step with a clappy emoji, so they're being more cautious, rightfully so. So we can't sit here and report today Randy Gratishar is in the Hall of Fame. We can just report he took a massive, massive leap, and that's that's big. Well, and Steve McMichael was a great player. He was on the 85 Bears. Pretty good defense, might yeah. have heard of him. He's going to get in, right? He played in Chicago, played on a famous team with a famous defense, so did Randy Gratishar, but Randy Gratishar played in Denver in the late seventies and early eighties. It was it's not a flyover town anymore. Back then it was, right? Like it was an it was an outpost, especially early in his career. So, you know, are they gonna put all three guys in? I don't know where our pal played. My guess is he was a giant or a Steeler. Or an Eagle Cowboy. Right, exactly. And, you know, there's a bias. There just is. You can't look at the fact that the only Super Bowl team from 1966 to 2002 without a single Hall of Famer was the 1977 Broncos out of 70-some teams and not be able to look at that and say, hey, there is a bias against the Broncos and that team because the AFC then was dominated by three teams, the Steelers, the Raiders, and the Dolphins. And they all have a ton of Hall of Famers. There's one team that was sort of the outlier Super Bowl team during that period during the 70s, and it was the Broncos in 77. And they've gotten absolutely no love from the from the Hall of Fame. Randy Gradishar is the best player on that defense. He's certainly not the only one who should be in the Hall of Fame. Louis Wright should be as well. But uh, we're finally a step closer to this happening. Uh, Art Powell was an eagle for a year. Nailed it. He was an NYT for three years in the 60s. You're going to have to help me out with that. Uh, Probably the New York Titans, which was what the Jets were at the beginning of the AFL. Well done. Uh, And then he was a Raider for four years, a Bill and a Viking. So he bounced around, made four Pro Bowls, played from 59 to 68. And I always feel bad because I'm sure Art Powell was a great player. And I'm sure he's deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. So when you get into these debates, it inevitably turns into if you're trying to make the case for your guy, you're making the case against the other guy. But when you hear, when you give me his resume, and it's a decade, and he played in for four teams, five teams, and part of that was the AFL, which is going to get overlooked a little bit. Randy's going to have a better resume doing 10, 11 years in Denver, being a defensive player of the year multiple-time Pro Bowler, a guy who averaged 200 tackles a year. Yeah. Um, You know, and you can go back to old-time, you know, the Paul Zimmermans of the world who covered the NFL for Sports Illustrated for decades, and they talk about two players from from those old Broncos teams. It's Rich Tombstone Jackson, which if he hadn't got hurt, or if they had today's science, would have been – perhaps the, uh, the the best offensive lineman in NFL history. He's in the conversation back then with like Deacon Jones and that, those kind of guys. And Randy Gratishar, those are the two huge oversights from the early days of the Broncos. All right, well, a fun way to kick off the show. He's James Merrill. I'm Will Peterson. In for Stoke and Zach today. Uh, Andrew Mason's story is live right there in the middle at denversports.com if you want to go check it out. At long last, it appears, appears, Randy Gratishar is Hall of Fame bound. But back to these current Broncos, joint practices going on right now at the Centura Health Training Center against the Rams. How valuable are joint practices? We'll dive into that next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Band presents Stokely and Zach. James Verlot, Will Peterson in for Stoke and Zach on this Wednesday. Uh, but you're still gonna you're gonna see Stoke and Zach tonight. That's my understanding, right? Uh yes, that is correct. I am uh just a few short hours away from uh, finally paying off a couple of uh a couple of bets. Wow, longtime listeners of this show will know those bets have been going on for quite some time. Yeah, now look, those two complain and act a like lot. it's my fault that we haven't done this. I have asked Quite literally, two dozen times, when do you want to go? When's the reservation? When can we go? And then we get into this time of year where I'm coaching youth football, and, yes, I'm busy. I can't go. Wednesday nights happens to be the night we don't have practice. I'm free. They both jumped at the chance a week or so ago to do it tonight. So, fingers crossed. Do I, do I think there's a chance I get a text at, like, 2.15 of, hey, I'm heading to the golf uh, yeah. course? A hundred percent. I think that could happen, but uh, hopefully we we knock it out tonight. It will be fun. 18 called. (laughs) Right. We're going to play 18. Right, exactly. It will be, uh, you know, my parents just had a 55th wedding anniversary. Ooh. So I got half of that tab on Sunday, and now we got this one. It's, uh, you know, it's been a tough week for me. Yeah, that's an expensive 96 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I hope you guys have fun. I'm sure Stoke and Zach will have uh, plenty of stories about it tomorrow. Well, do you know what the two facts were? If they're both here, yeah. The two the two bets, uh, Lindsey versus someone in rushing yards. It was Lindsey a thousand yards. Oh, so Lindsey versus himself, and he got it by like two yards, and he lost three yards on his second, or his last carry of the year. Like he Ooh. almost went backwards to nine ninety nine. That would have been a fun way to win. So, like the, by the slimmest of margins, he got it. Okay, but but to Stoke and Zach's defense here, Philip Lindsey hasn't played for the Broncos for quite some time. So you're paying that off in August of 2023 when he played his last snap for the Broncos, what, two years ago? Well, I've lost multiple bets to Zach, and I paid one off. That might have been the first one. The other one could have been, and this is another technicality one. Mm -hmm. It was like Noah Fant big plays. And if you count big plays as 20 yards, I win the bet. If you count big plays as 15 yards, Zach wins the bet. I would have established those terms. I feel like we should have. Then I won the who's going to have more sacks Von Miller or Bradley Chubb, but he had some out because Von Miller didn't play. I'm like, well so go good luck going to the window in Vegas and getting back your right. Russell Wilson's going to win MVP bet if he gets hurt. So all of a sudden that one went out the window. And then I lose to Stoke, on a decision by the Broncos, would have been for me to win. Yeah, but I will Who's say. Who's playing better now? Stoke read the room better. Stoke, yeah, knew, that Stoke knew that Vic Fangio Correct. was going to do everything possible to save his job and go with the vet. Stoke knew that Vic Fangio had to start that year 3-0. Yep. And he had a better chance of doing that with the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets with Teddy Bridgewater than with Drew Locke. I still think they go 3-0 even with Drew Locke. You know what's hilarious? Those three teams, all three supposed to be playoff contenders this year. And just two years ago, that was, like, the easiest opening schedule of all time for Denver. Yeah. That shows you how quickly it can change in the It does. Auto. It does. All right. Well, we hope you guys have fun. I'm sure there will be plenty of stories tomorrow. Meanwhile, down at the Centura Health Training Center right now, joint practices between the Broncos and the Rams. Uh, we already have a tussle. You want to hear no. the details on said tussle? I do. I do. Uh, Damari Mathis, this is according to our friend Romy Bean, threw Van Jefferson down Josie Jewell got in the middle of it, too, was broken up quickly and back to 11-on-11. So it sounds like Damari got a little aggressive on that tackle. Van wasn't real pleased, and Josie came over. James, we've been hearing about joint practices all around the league. There's a new brawl every single day, it Constantly, constantly. And I don't know if you had a chance to watch Hard Knocks last night, but it was the Jets and the Buccaneers, and it was one fight after another. And the, the the craziest part of it was, like, they had a coach who was just assigned of keeping Sauce Gardner out of the brawls. Like, it didn't matter where it was happening. That guy wanted to sprint across the field and, and get into the middle of it. It's like, dude, we don't need you getting injured in a brawl during a joint practice yeah. in August. Like, what are we doing here? Way too valuable for that. To, it'd be like if the Broncos had to assign a coach to PS2 today. Exactly. Not that PS2 seems like a fighter, but just... If he got fired up and they had to make sure, hey, dude, you're the best corner in the NFL, don't go get hurt. Yeah, and imagine it's, you know, pick a backup defensive lineman getting into a fight with a backup offensive lineman for the Rams, Mm -hmm. and here comes PS2 off the sideline to jump in the middle of the melee. You'd be like... Well, that was just a yeah. total waste. For as good a preseason as Elijah Garcia's had, <laughs> right. it's not worth getting PS two hurt right. because he's throwing throwing bows with someone. Exactly, and and you know, I think at one point these joint practices served a purpose, and it was kind of to replace preseason games because back in the day, the, they they played the four preseason games, and originally the fourth one was like dress rehearsal, and it was hey, you got to play the first half. Go in at halftime, come out, and in the second half, the starters will play the first series just to practice, you know, sort of that transition, and then you're done. Well, as that started going away, and then the fourth game became a throwaway, and then the third game kind of became like, well, we're not going to play anybody in that. These joint practices became more of a, this is some some actual competition for your guys that are going to be playing week one. Definitely. I think they've gone too far, though. I think they've gotten to a point where they don't have any control of them. Yep. Because there's no, there are, sometimes there are officials, but there's no repercussions for these melee's. There's no fines. There's you know, Aaron Donald last year took off his took off somebody's helmet. I think they were playing the Bengals with Cincy, and started swinging it like a weapon. I don't think he got fined for that, right? So it's like if there's no punishment for doing things like that, it does become a situation where it's like man, it can get out of control pretty fast when you've been you know in the heat for three or four weeks. Battling it out, you finally go, get to go against somebody else, and you're just a little bit chippy. I think these things are. Uh, I think I think joint practice is going to be a thing of the past relatively soon. I do. Well, and that was my question. Are joint practices overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Because there is so many eh, kind of snobby football people who love to tell you their opinion on social media that joint practices are so much more valuable than any any preseason game. And I don't buy that for a second. I'm with you. It, not when it just turns into a melee. Yeah. Not when it turns into a WWE show and and the guys are looking more to fight than to get better. I, I'm with you. Back in the day, these joint practices had value. But anyone who, who just wants to sit on their high horse and say, oh, joint practices are, are just so much better than a preseason game, i call Balderdash. The work the first-team offense got in with uh, Russell Wilson and Sam Fran, that 13-play drive, that was more valuable than anything they'll get done in the next 2 days. I agree with you because you can look at two recent examples and and figure out, hey, it's impossible to read this, right? I like to talk a lot about how when the Niners came in here and it was, you know, a couple 3 years ago, that might have been Flacco's year and they came in here and dominated the Broncos, especially the first day. It was like, you know, a, a, an SEC school going against the FCS school. And we we didn't know it at the time, but the the Niners were Super Bowl contenders that year. Believe played in an NFC title game and the Broncos were awful. And you could could tell that day. It was like one team had a, a motor that was turned all the way up to 10 and the other one was like, man, they can't get the dial even turned at all here. And the Broncos wound up being awful and the Niners were really good. But if you just go back to last year, the Broncos dominated the Cowboys last year and the Broncos were terrible and the Cowboys were pretty good. True. So it's like, well, which which one do you put more stock in? Like, how do you read it? I do think if you go out there and you get dominated, it's a, it's a red flag. Yep. If you get pushed around. So when I hear Josie Jewell and, and Demari Mathis are kind of getting into it, and okay, I'm sort of fine with that because you're not getting pushed around. But if they go out and they're the better team against the Rams here, I don't think that means that, hey, they're off to the races and it's going to be a a great season. I think you can see red flags in these things. I'm not sure you can see many green flags from these practices. I'm with you. And do you remember who had to start a fight in day two against the Niners to just get the Broncos to wake up? 99% sure I have this right. I do not remember. I want to say it was Philip Lindsay. I want to really? say it was the smallest guy out there, went out there and just started a fight to try to wake his team up uh, the next day because the first day was so bad. Well, their offense was dominated by the... the Chicken fingers agrees with me. Yeah, they, their offense got dominated that first day, like couldn't move the ball at all. So I could see why that would be the case. And look, there, there's probably some benefit to it you get some film that the that the coaches can put up and show, hey, this isn't how we do it and we can't get pushed around and better to find that out what is today? August 23rd. Better to find out that now than September 10th against the Raiders. But I don't want to put a I don't want to put a ton of stock in it if the Broncos look good today. It'll be it'll be another step but it's only so big a one. And Kistner said Richard Sherman, and that's ringing a bell now, too. It may have been Richard Sherman. Oh. Which that's a pretty good person to go pick a fight with if you're <laughs> Bill Lindsay. No. Um... And uh, we've also got uh, Jared Stidham throwing touchdowns to Albert O against the Rams. Hey. Because there are corporate sponsors out there today on the Hill, we are allowed to report this, as are the reporters. Albert so. O making a late kind of dash here for the 53 man roster. 25 yard touchdown, Jared Stidham to Albert O against the Rams. Coming up on the other side, though, we are going to talk about the game on Saturday. Specifically, how much should the starters play? And guys, it's the million dollar question do we need to see Russell Wilson again? <laughs> Listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver's Sports Station. 1043, the band. promise.com text line 303 713 1043? Yeah. I've like, said that so many times and I caught myself in a moment of doubt. 303 713 1043. You find yourself like you know, giving out my own phone number, out your cell number. Yeah, exactly. I've worked with a fella who did that a few uh, times. I know who you are talking about. <laughs> yes, uh, please feel free to chime in. James Merrilat, Will Peterson, in for Stoke and Zach today. Although James will hopefully see them in a few hours. That's that's the plan. Paying off some bets, playing off some bets over. At hey, Sands. I'm going to be over there. Yeah, and so I, I've got a reservation on the patio. I'm having a meal, and this will be we were talking about in the break. It's the Seinfeld episode where Seinfeld, where Jerry's paying off the bet to Kenny Banyon. Like, no, it's one meal. Yeah. So I'm over there. I'm having some blue cheese olives. Ooh. I'll probably, I mean, what's, this, what's, the, what's the go-to steakhouse order for you? Is it a filet? It's a filet. Even though Dan Jacobs criticized men ordering filets. Well, I've got a buddy who says the same thing. He calls it a starter steak. I'm like, nope, that's the one I oh, want. I want a flat. It's I'm the good. best cut. Exactly. It's the juiciest, the most tender, it's the most delicious. Give me like a peppercorn sauce and some mashed potatoes and I'll call it a night. <laughs> no peppercorn sauce. Why not? You need no, so- no sauce on a steak at that kind of a place. Mm. If you're at Sizzler and you want to drown it in peppercorn, I'm not, have at it. I'm not drowning. Have at it. Little side, little side. No, no, you can't do that. That's a no-go. We're keeping tabs on Broncos and Rams joint practices. There's been one scuffle already. Albert O having a good practice, and every other report is the Broncos are not looking good and the Rams are dominating this practice so far, James. Okay, well, and we talked about it last segment of if the Broncos were dominating, I would say great, but I'm not going to use that as a sign that they're going to have an awesome year because they dominated the Cowboys last year. If they get dominated, though, that's a red flag because we saw what happened when the Niners came in here. When you can go on the road into somebody else's facility and kick their butt, that's a, that's a troubling sign. But, but, but we got to be a little careful And the best here. player for the Rams isn't here. Aaron Donald is not here. And then Andrew Mason, within the last minute or two, Albert O now has three touchdowns today. So how badly can you be struggling if your fifth-string tight end has three touchdowns? Conflicting reports coming out of the Centura Health Training Center. Well, and we're, you know, we're getting to the end of training camp, and I gotta admit, I, I get a little tired of the reports from camp because people, and I'll raise my hand, I'm guilty of this too, right? You go back to Teddy versus Drew, which is the bet I'm paying off tonight. Yep. It's confirmation bias. If you think the Broncos stink, you see them getting dominated today. If you think the Broncos are going to be good, you focus on Alberto's three touchdowns. Right? If you think Russell Wilson is cooked, you're going to talk about how well that one went through somebody's hands. That should have been an interception, not a completion. If you think he's going to be great, you talk about him moving the team up and down the field. It's confirmation bias from these folks. They expose themselves. According to Troy Rank one minute ago, the first team offense has finally had a big play. We're at 1135. This thing's only scheduled to go 10 to noon. That's not a great sign. And it was Russell Wilson to Kendall Hinton on a lengthy completion. That makes me nervous because it's like, okay, maybe Stidham and Albert O look great, but it took Russ until 1135 to find Kendall Hinton on his first big play. Well, and that reminds me of like week 13 last year. Why is Kendall Hinton in with the ones? Why Why are we still doing this experiment? I know everybody loves the Kendall Hinton story, but find me another team. Find me a contender that Kendall Hinton would be in the rotation at receiver. But this is a good segue into what I want to talk about here. How much should the starters play on Saturday night? And do we need to see more of Russell Wilson in this preseason? I wrote a column that I thought it was a mistake to only play him one series against the Niners because he looked very good in that series. Yes, it stalled out for a field goal because Jerry Judy got held. There should have been a flag to extend that drive. I think he was on the verge of a touchdown. And I think Sean Payton should have let him score a touchdown just like he did in Arizona. Based on these reports, the first 95 minutes of practice... Yeah, I want to see Russell Wilson, the starters, play against the Rams on Saturday night at Empower in I do not. And I understand where you're coming from. And I think the fact that they played in the first two games was good. We saw last year playing zero is a mistake, right? Like, people can say, well, college teams, they don't have any preseason. Yeah, but neither does their week one opponent. Well, and they also played Kansas State in week one. Right. With all due respect to Kansas State, that's Alabama's preseason when they're winning 71 to six. Correct. So you have to at least get yourself as prepared as your week one opponent. You have to play some. You have to knock off the rust. You have to be out there and be ready for full speed because it doesn't matter how you think you're practicing. You're not ready for full speed. So that was that's important. But at this point, Will, and they've had five drives as a first-team offense. They've had a field goal, a touchdown, two missed field goals, and then their first drive was a three and out. So the last four times they've had the ball – they should have scored. They didn't it wasn't like they were missing sixty two yard field goals. They were kicks in twenty twenty-three. You should make. So to me, it's been enough. Has it been perfect? No. But it's a risk reward. This team, I think if they stay healthy, can be pretty good. If they have a rash of injuries, it's going to be problematic. So imagine if you if they go out there and Cortland Sutton gets hurt and he's lost for the year now. Or Jerry Judy. Or Garrett Bowles, or Mike McGlinchey, or whoever. You can name all sorts of people. Yeah, starter on the offense that's significant. Or Russ, for crying out loud. I get it. The risk is so much more than the reward. I'm not being bubble wrap guy. I'm not saying, hey, they shouldn't play at all, and you can't coach in fear. I get that. But there also is a line where it's like, I've seen what I need to see, and I'm getting you the heck out of there. Yeah, but but real quick, seeing what you need to see. They've had five drives. Mm Mm-hmm. They've scored one touchdown, and that came on fourth down against what most teams... Project will be the worst squad in the NFL in the Arizona Cardinals. I get it, but the worst team in the NFL we see it every week. It's why eliminator pools are next to impossible. The worst team in the NFL is it's it's such a fine line. Other than the three or four best teams, unless you're the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, the Niners. Like I, I, the Cardinals are going to win some games this year. This isn't Kennesaw State. Okay, but but one touchdown in five series. You've seen enough from Russ. Yeah, because wow. it, it's been four scoring drives in five series. If they get ten in a game. That would be thirty-two points if they continue to follow that. Two touchdowns and six field goals. I'll take that all day long. Well, it hasn't been four scoring drives. It's been four should have been. It's not drives. Russ and, and the first team offense's fault that. Okay, well, Ron until Marr they until make they a kick until they sign Mason Crosby or trade for Will Lutz, I'm not going to count those. Okay, I mean that's moving the goalpost, James. If no, they're not. If they had a new kicker in here, I would buy your thinking. They still have the same guy that missed those field goals. Uh, I'm not so sure that guy's going to be out there on September 10th against the Raiders. Well, we're going to get to that Russell a later Wilson and on. company did their did their job in four out of five drives. Yeah, but field goals last year, field goals killed this team. That's why I wanted him to get another series against the Niners. Sean Payton told us twenty to twenty four plays. He did, and he said that starters twenty to twenty four plays. And then Russ only played thirteen. Last time I checked, Russell Wilson is a starter, James. So if they go out and Russell Wilson gets drilled on the opening drive against the Rams, and he's going to miss two months. It, it, trying to chase that elusive second preseason touchdown on August 26th in a meaningless game against the Rams in front of 31,000 people who've elbowed their way into Empower Field and probably dealt with a lightning delay because there's a strike somewhere along the front range. There is supposed to be weather on Saturday. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that. that sucker will start at 8-12 because somebody's going to be just, you know, hand-wringing about a lightning strike in Aurora. That's what you—that's you're willing to take that gamble. I mean, at some point, James, what if he gets hurt playing with his kid in his backyard? Like, there's, I get it, there's risks the in life. Well, okay, you're right, but are the—is the risk behind this offensive line against the Los Angeles Rams the same as playing with his kids in the backyard? McGlinchey's back. Wouldn't you like to see the starting unit get a in dress a rehearsal? World? In a perfect world, yes, but I'm not willing to take the risk. I'm just—I'm just not because if I'm Sean Payton. And I've played him five series to this point. One touchdown, and I push, <laughs> and I push my luck for that sixth drive. And he gets hurt, and our year goes up in smoke on August 26th. I'm I'm never gonna forgive myself. Okay, one drive in the preseason versus what? Over 200 drives in the regular season. I know, and that's 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 fine. Take your chances when it matters. Take your chances when it matters. I'm just, I'm just saying that's like, that's like being afraid you're going to get hit by lightning. How many touchdowns did the first team offense score in the 2015 preseason? Don't know off the top of my head, but right, they, they exactly. Didn't, yeah, they didn't score a lot of touchdowns in the regular season. I'll tell you <laughs> that much. And it was fine. They were fine. They got all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, with the greatest defense in NFL history. I don't want to have anybody on that side of the ball get hurt either. Would you play Randy Gregory? Would you play Justin Simmons? Well, speaking of injuries. Let's dive into those guys next. <laughs> it's Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. I'm Mo Peterson. He's James Marlat We are in for Stoke and Zach today. Been a jam-packed show already. Uh, if you missed it, Randy Gratishar has been elected a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We're hoping... It's just a rubber stamp when they vote on it at the Super Bowl. One of three finalists. Long wait should hopefully finally be over for Randy. Um, We've got our first scuffle at Broncos Rams joint practices. Got some healthy debate about if the starters should play on Saturday. It's football season, baby. This is fun. They shouldn't play. Randy Gratishar would finally put a member of the 1977 Broncos into the Hall of Fame. They're the only team of the first 74 Super Bowl teams. So the first 37 Super Bowls. An insane stat. Both teams have at least one Pro Bowler in it other than the 1977 Broncos. 74 teams, and there's only one that doesn't have one. That is a uh, travesty. Hopefully that gets corrected in, what, January, February, whenever they make that uh, final announcement. Yeah, that's when they uh, do the, what, the knock. Yeah. And everyone waits in their hotel room. And that, that dude, by the way, has the best job on earth. Because he just gets to deliver good news to everyone. I don't think he's there anymore. I don't think he's the guy. I don't think they oh. do the knock either. What? No. Now they send like a former teammate or former coach uh, yeah. to their Because like with Demarcus, wasn't it Jerry Jones? Yeah. You know what though? Even th- that guy was even doing it during COVID. Because do you remember Payton's? They had, yeah. the, they had the former coaches, you know, socially yeah. distanced. Down at, <laughs> down at the field. and uh And all of a sudden, Peyton turned around, and there was that guy with his uh, big smile on his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's doing it anymore. All right, well, he had a really good job for a long time, made a lot of people happy. But you keep talking about the starters shouldn't play. I think they should. I'm not saying for a half or anything like that. I just want to see a touchdown. I think Russ was on the verge of a touchdown against the Niners and got pulled a series or two too early. But I do want to talk about the injuries because you mentioned Randy Gregory and Justin Simmons. Yeah. You know, it was a big deal yesterday that Simmons was back at practice, that Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle, was back at practice. There were some more minor guys, too, like Chris Manhurts, the blocking tight end, was back. Tyler Beatty was back. There was Brandon one, Johnson was back. Yeah, Brandon Johnson, I was going to say. There was a more significant one, too. Guys like K1 Williams still not out there. But let's talk about the game, but I also want your input on what was the one yesterday when you saw they were back at practice? You're like, Okay, deep breath, because practicing on August 22nd clearly means you're going to be ready for week one. Justin Simmons. Yeah. I mean, he's arguably the best safety in football. and Dominated camp. Yeah. He, he's he's a great, great player. So that was a big one. McGlinchy was second. I mean, he was their prize free agent signing. He's trying to end the Orlando Franklin curse, where the Broncos haven't had a good right tackle since they let Big O leave. That's been a decade. There's some names on that list, man. It's like 19 names or whatever. It it was a, it, there was a graphic during the game. Revolving door, right? The Menelik Watsons, the Jared Valdiers. I mean, the list of The goes. Ronald Leary's, the Donald Stevenson's. I think O can do them in order. No way, really? <laughs> it's like so. the Browns QBs. He can, like, <laughs> name all of them? Yeah, and I mean, rightfully so. They, they should have kept him. Because I'm, I mean, I'm picturing that guy in the Cleveland jersey where they cross out yeah, and put the next yeah. guy... Yeah, Jim yeah, Couch and all, you know, yeah. Manziel, all those guys... So uh, if they can get McGlinchey back and, you know, look, I know he struggled in camp when he was out there. He missed the beginning because of some family issues. You know, was he 100% mentally right when he came back? Who knows? And maybe just wasn't playing very well because you just dealt with a, I think it was a death in the family. It was a death, yeah. Um, and And then he got hurt, so we never really have gotten to see him. I would like to see the offensive line together. I think when you start talking about, hey, play the starters in the last preseason game, yeah, I can I can admit there'd be some value in getting some cohesion with those five guys. I just don't think that value outweighs what would happen if one of them got hurt. And you're going to get some work today, probably tomorrow, unless there's so many fights they call it off with the Rams. And good. Check the box. Away you go. And then I think the third one, and this is probably a guy that I do think needs to play, mm. is Brandon Johnson. Yeah. Right, because after Tim Patrick went down, he became the he became the guy that was the third receiver. He had the first shot at it, and then he got hurt. And it's been Marvin Mims and some other people. I want to see what Brandon Johnson can do in that it, it, you know in that role, and can he be somebody they can count on? I think it was a mistake last year that they didn't go sign anybody when Tim Patrick got hurt. Oh, I, I do think, too. I think it's a mistake again this year because it's the same group. It feels like the same movie. I mean, and Marvin it's the same group without KJ, KJ. Yeah, exactly. Without Hamler, you add Mims. So last year, we were all kind of banging, like, go call Odell Beckham Jr. You know, and I know his ACL recovery took longer, and he didn't play, and now he's with the Ravens. But that type of name was who we all wanted to see. And I'm, am I in love with Julio Jones coming in here? Not really. But Julio Jones has a resume that I could at least trust. Versus Brandon Johnson is like, he's a nice story. He's a fun story. Brandon Johnson hasn't proven squat in this league, and Julio no, Jones has. I think he has six career catches. Yeah. So, uh, you know, do we think that Julio Jones is better in 2023 as a third receiver than Brandon Johnson or Marvin Mims? Of course. Of course we do. I do. And I and I, I just get the feeling that George Payton didn't really seem to learn his lesson from what happened last year with Tim Patrick. And I am surprised now that Sean Payton is here and clearly has a ton more power than Nathaniel Hackett ever had He hasn't made a bigger push for that to get a veteran receiver in here. Uh, They signed that kid from the XFL the other day. It's like, okay, that's not, you know, he's not going to come in and be your number three receiver. He's a borderline roster guy, maybe a practice squad guy. Well, I mean, if you go back to the first preseason game in Arizona, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy had some catches. Judy got in the end zone. Uh, Russ hit Cortland on a couple of, you know, I think it was like a 13-yard completion and a 19-yard completion. Who else, though, from that receiver core has shined, in the preseason games. No, it feels like Judy Sutton, end of the world. That's and that's it. why it would have been so nice to have Patrick. And that's why we were so excited to see that group of three finally get their chance. And I, I just feel awful for Tim Patrick. I mean, two carts in 363 days, that stinks. But have you, it, it, I'm with you. And we have not seen any evidence that anybody in that room is ready to step up and be the number three guy. No, we, I mean, haven't. we haven't seen it from Marquez Calloway or little Jordan Humphreys or any, anybody. Nobody else has stepped up and had a moment, like, you can look at second halves of games and see, hey, in the backfield, Jaleel McLaughlin has shined. He's looked good. We have not seen that from another receiver, even in garbage time of preseason game. Well, and you know who had the best play? The guy, now, another guy who got hurt. Now he's on IR. And Jalen Virgil, if you missed that yesterday, his season's over. Because if they put you on IR this early, you're done. You cannot come back. Uh, That must mean the meniscus was more torn up than some of those initial reports, and Jalen Virgil will not play for the 2023 Broncos. All the more reason they need to go add someone else, and then the question will be, well, why did you wait so long? You're not going to get to see him. Yeah, start building that chemistry. Yeah, you're not going to get to see him in camp. You're not going to get to see him in the joint practices. You're not going to get to see him in any preseason games. Like, you're waiting until the 11th hour here when you don't need to. So I think it's a mistake. I think, you know, Brandon Johnson is the one guy we can hold out hope that maybe he will shine and, and be ready to take on that role. But I want to see him against the Rams to feel confident in that. I think you got to see him in a game. While we're on this, and that makes sense, I'm with you. I think you got to play Brandon Johnson. The biggest name wide receivers are Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, and Sammy Watkins. One with a local tie, uh, Richard Higgins, Hollywood Higgins, played up at CSU. But after that, man, you're looking at like a Kenny Galladay. Uh, it's the same list of names. I wrote a column for DenverSports.com the day after Tim Patrick got hurt. And yeah. it was, hey, George Payton, you need to learn your lesson. It's not as though this is, hey, do you remember what happened to the Titans last year? No. This is what happened to you. With the same exact player. Right. Like, it is the a carbon copy. Yeah. And if you, it was a mistake last year. And anybody who doesn't think it was a mistake last year it didn't watch those games late in the year when it was... Kendall Hinton and Brandon Johnson and Freddie Swain out there unable to get open for Russell Wilson. And now we're going to we're gonna sell us on – I mean, everybody else falls in love with their own roster, right? They're mm-hmm. going to sell us on the same group of guys. It's going to be different this year? I just – sorry. I don't buy it. All right, guys. Uh, we just got word that the Broncos and Rams joint practice is finished. We have a star of the day, and we've got some news on what the defense just did in the two-minute drill.